I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. You're listening to Muses and Stuff. This is the podcast that's all about the dolls. They were the groupies, the wives, the girlfriends, and the muses who played such a huge role in rock and roll history by simply being themselves. They were sweet, sexy, brave, and powerful. They went after what and who they wanted, and they made no apologies. We are your hosts, Shanti and Lynx. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hey, Shanti. Hi, Lynx. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Um, I'm great. I'm better now. I was in like a shitty mood earlier, like today. <laughs> it was so rainy and depressing outside. Yeah. And March break's almost over. March break's almost over, but I'm here with you now, and we have a really exciting episode. It's completely yeah. different than anything we've ever done before, really. Mm-hmm. So uh, now I'm all jazzed up. Yeah, this one's a fun one. Uh, this episode, we've got 10 songs with interesting backstories we hope are lesser known. They're all about the boys. They're all about the boys. Mm-hmm. So they're songs inspired by boys or men or uh, so or male, children sometimes. Children sometimes. Yeah. Uh, yes. So it's a male muses episode. So with our groupie podcast, we tell people, oh, we've got a podcast about groupies. And they're like, but what about the men? And we're like, okay, yeah. We, men we are do, muses too. They can be muses too. Mm-hmm. They can also be groupies. And mm-hmm. if you're a new listener, then welcome. Hello. Um, we can refer you back to our male groupies episode, um, which we recorded a while back. So if you just want to go back into our iTunes feed history, you can check that episode out we talk about 
Cameron Crowe, Rodney Bingenheimer, a guy named Pleather. Mm-hmm. So these songs that we're going to tell you about are songs that were inspired by um, by a dude. Yes, and we could include many, many female musicians who have written amazing songs about certain men, but a lot of those we feel deserve their own full episode. This is mostly just for like five-minute tales. Yeah, so, so if you think we're missing important ones, we, we know we'll get to them. These are just little ones that we hope you don't know about, actually. Yet. Yeah, get off our backs. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find these and many other stories in the book The Boy in the Song by Frank Hopkinskin and Michael Heatley. Uh, we picked up most of these from then, from there and just added a little extra. I had no idea that this book even existed until uh, Lynx brought it to my attention. So a lot of these stories were were new for me as well. And um, yeah, some they have two books, The Boy in the Song and The Girl in the Song. Both are great. Okay, so The Girl in the Song will come in another episode as well. But we just figured we'd start with the boys. Mm-hmm. Gotta give, give the, the boys Give love. them a little attention. Yeah, so... Um, just to let everybody know, um, you know, we love doing these kinds of episodes. I love sitting down and just staring into Lynx's eyes across the table from me <laughs> and um, just having the two of us chat and, and hopefully teach you something that you don't know about rock and roll history already. We also love having our guests on. We do. We got so, some great ones coming up. Yeah, we've got some great guests coming up. So we have a world-renowned psychic named Mickey coming on. And so mm-hmm. she's been a psychic to celebrities. Pretty sure she's hung out with Stevie Nicks. Yeah, rock stars. She's got some stories. One of Pamela DeBar's best friends. So we're going to be able to um, ask her in more detail, like that connection between magic and music and mm. and really get into it that way. Whereas uh, this episode here is going to be fairly lighthearted, which will be nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After Sorinda. After Sorinda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which was last week, which is it was an intense story yeah. that you told me. And then um, we're going to be like with this uh, with this episode and with some other episodes, we're going to be curating some playlists for you. Yes, I'm excited to do this. Yeah. So that way, if you can kind of match the playlist to the episode or Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. give you guys some listening material. Other than just the podcast. Yeah, I was talking to my friend uh, Kim who does the Badassery Show podcast. And um, she was telling me, she recommended uh, Alice Carbone's book to me. So Alice Carbone Tench. So Benmont Tench's wife, actually. She has a book called The Sex Girl. And at the beginning of every chapter, there's a song. And uh, Kimmy had told me that she had made a playlist already. So I was telling her, like, I'm going to make a playlist to go Mm -hmm. along with this book. And she's like, done. It's done already. Perfect. So we have a lot of, yeah, we have a lot of uh, kind of bonus material too, almost more than we can keep up with. So I think what we're going to do for for our nice, lovely, kind listeners is probably release some extra material as well. So, you know, we've got some bonus episodes coming up that I did with my friend Henny. We just talk about the Backstreet Boys and uh, our love, where that obsession started. And Kimmy and I did a YouTube video about uh, Tom Petty. You can actually go to the Badassery channel and check out that video. It's called Something About Tom Petty. And we tell each other the first time we ever heard him um, and the Heartbreakers and just like how deep our obsession goes. But in the future, uh, Lynx and I would like to create create something where our fans and our listeners can give us some donations and mm-hmm. because we have so much bonus material bonus ideas going and 
we want to get them out to you, but it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, and this has definitely turned into a full-time job on top Absolutely. of full-time jobs. And we love doing it, yes. but um, yeah. We could use a little help. And we can, yeah, and then we can send you videos and better quality videos and uh, letters. I'm going to probably read some love letters that I've received by some, by some <laughs> very poetic musician over, musicians over the years. So little stuff like that we'll have for you. Well, without further ado, so you lead us off. Alrighty, so we are going to start number one with the song "Magic Man" by Heart. I love this song. Killer tune. So I think uh, one of the first times I really became aware of this song was when I watched the movie The Virgin, the Virgin Suicides. Suicides. They they utilize it very well. <laughs> oh my god! It's the scene where. She's in the car, or he's in the he's car. He's in the, he comes out of the car. And, yeah. Uh, After Kip? being, like, disappointed that uh, he didn't get a kiss or anything from the character Lux. I can't remember his name. Trip. Trip? No, that's not. They play a second heart song. That's the dun 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 Oh, yeah. Crazy on You. Crazy on You is the one after the kiss. Magic Man is when they introduce his character for the first First time. time. And he's getting high in his car. And he's in the pool. Outside of the high school. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And so he gets out of his car and then he walks up to Magic Man. I totally forgot about Mm -hmm. that. So that's like, it's a hell of a movie, hell of a soundtrack. Virgin Suicides, hell of a soundtrack. And then. Yeah, that's a beautiful uh, soundtrack. Gorgeous. Air does the Air, yeah, lovely. Yeah, so many yoga instructors they love playing. Oh, I bet. Yeah, it really uh, puts you in a mood. Yeah. So to the story. Yes. All right. So before the formation of Heart and Wilson, along with the Heart guitarist and bassist Roger Fisher and Steve Fosen, had a group called Hocus Pocus. Hey, (laughs) there's that magic stuff happening again. Mm -hmm. So in 1971, while they were touring northwestern U.S., Roger's brother, Mike, a draft dodger hiding out in Canada, secretly entered the States to see his brother play. So when Mike and Anne met, it was love at first sight. Anne packed up and moved to Vancouver to be with him. The band soon soon moved up with them and Hart was formed. And in 1974, Nancy and sister joined them and Mike took on the role of manager. And the song itself came from the pleading phone calls Anne would get from her mother telling her <laughs> to come back to Seattle. Come on home, child. Yeah. yeah. I'm soon to lose my baby and my girl should be at home. Exactly. <laughs> the magic. But you can't resist the magic man. Yeah, the magic man. We all know. We've all had a magic man in our lives. Let me tell you what. <laughs> um, But... The magic did not last forever. And the pair split in 1979. They made a good go of it. Um, And the song remains one of the most requested heart songs of all time. Yeah, that's their power, power ballad. Mm, That one then, Crazy On You. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love love songs like this. The the sappier they are and like the more quiet, um, they don't like pull me in as much. Do you, yeah. like, do you like, like, the sappy romance ones, or do you like the rockin'? Like, I love Layla, because, mm. like, it, it just grabs you, you know? But you like the acoustic version of Layla. 
No, you like no, the electric I like version the rocking, of Layla. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I like them all. I like them. I like them all. <laughs> well, yep. our second song is sometimes mistaken for one that's about a romantic relationship, but it's actually about a friendship. This one is Bobby Jean by Bruce Springsteen. He recorded it in 1984, and it's actually about Stephen Van Zant. Hey, Stevie. Yes. Bruce and Stephen grew up together in New Jersey, and they were even in a group together pre-Springsteen called Steel Mills. Steel Mills? Steel Mills or Steel Mills? <laughs> Mills. <laughs> that makes more sense. Yes. Thanks, links. <laughs> So Van Zant joined Springsteen uh, about the time of the Born to Run tour, 86, I'd say. He sort of went off and did his own thing for a while. Uh, Van Zant has many side projects of his own. He's an actor. A lot of people probably uh, recognize him as Silvio in The Sopranos. Mm -hmm. Uh, He has his own radio show called Little Steven's Underground Garage, my absolute favorite radio show. This guy, he is just such a wealth of musical knowledge. If you haven't checked it out, you got to do it. There's over 500 episodes. He's been doing it for a very long time. Yeah, I'd say over 10 years. It kicks ass. And uh, shout out to Maureen as well. Yes. Uh, He's also an activist. He created a group called Artists United Against Apartheid in the 80s. And in 2001, he formed the super cool Rock and Roll Forever Foundation. You can go online at teachrock.org, find all these free online courses. They teach the history through music. They're, it's it's awesome. Cool. I got, I'm gonna I'm gonna take some of these courses. I didn't know about this until today, and now I'm super excited to go and do these courses. The more you know. Well, that's what we want to do. We want to like educate some people too. Yes. Now we want to. Yeah, and great. speaking about Maureen. Her and Stevie have one of the strongest rock and roll relationships. They've been married since 1982. And a little rock trivia, Little Richard Mm -hmm. was the officiate at their wedding. Sweet. Yeah. And Maureen also played his wife on The Sopranos. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. They're pretty awesome. That's amazing. Doesn't Michael DeBar... Yeah, they're they're good friends. With, good friends with Stevie. They're always like, yeah, talking to each other on Twitter. And yeah, just and like, I think they've been on each other's radio shows. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. He's cool. such a cool guy. Well, doesn't Michael DeBar have his show on the same the same yeah. channel? Like I believe same, so. Yeah, I believe okay, so. Cool. Yeah. Amazing. They used I just to love play that. I like show. these I like these rock and roll guys who all have their own like cool radio show and on the serious. They like, used to satellite. play it on Q one oh seven in Toronto here, but they haven't been anymore and I've had to go online to find it. Hmm. Thank God it's there though. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So our third song is actually like two in one. Uh How Do You Sleep by John Lennon. Blaming McCartney for the Beatles split. Lennon penned this vicious attack in 1971, putting the track on the Imagine album with lyrics like, the only thing you've done was yesterday, and since you're gone, you're just another day. It was pretty obvious to both fans and members of the Beatles themselves that this is about McCartney. So during the next few years, Paul was trying to you know give the olive branch out and 
reconcile their relationship, but John wasn't quite ready to bury the hatchet. Well, and it's but in like in that song too that you showed me today because I'm much more unfamiliar with um, the next one with Lennon's no with Lennon's song uh, "How Do You Sleep?" and so he like should talk Linda in that song. Oh yeah, there's a line like "Do what your mama tells you" or something, and that's I I wouldn't say that's a slight against Linda. It's more like a slight against Paul being Linda's lapdog. Okay. <laughs> okay. Where's like, you know, like, we're like, 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 sorry about that. John has said things about him with Yoko and like a student, te- like student and teacher relationship, whereas like he was the pupil, she was mm-hmm. the teacher. So I don't know, like. He, he, he had he... a lot of anger in him yeah. and it all kind of spewed out in that song. It's, it's not a nice song. Like there's nothing nice about mm-hmm. it. <laughs> So the next one that you're going to introduce, I'm more familiar with it. In 73, McCartney released Let Me Roll It with Wings. Many consider, yeah, I love it too. It's probably my favorite Wings song. Ooh, the whole Band on the Run album, I scarred every single song. Uh, Many consider this a response to Lennon's song. And while the lyrics may not match, it would seem McCartney took the final line from Lennon's song, You Must Have Learned Something in All Those Years, and penned his most Lennon-esque song, proving he could do what Don did and better. Ooh. Yes. McCartney himself has never officially confirmed nor denied this, but fans, fans, no. Fans can feel it. Uh, apparently, the two became a little more friendly over time, but a full reconciliation was unfortunately cut short with Lennon's death in 1980. Mm. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh. All right, so after Lynx told me that she was going to do this one, this sort of like back and forth song, mm-hmm. it reminded me of the story that I heard and no idea where I heard this, mm-hmm. uh, but it just kind of always stuck with me. And this kind of like back and forth feudy thing between bands, it reminded me of the Steely Dan and the Eagles feud. Mm-hmm. However, like really feudy it ended up getting. So... In 1976, um, Steely Steely Dan released this album called The Royal Scam. And for some reason in my record collection, I have the, besides Tom Petty, I have the most Steely Dan records. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And I have like doubles of a lot of them too. I don't know how that happened. (laughs) Um, So there's this song on that album called Everything You Did, which is like a bitter and vengeful song like aimed at a lover. And it has the line, turn up the eagles, the neighbors are listening. (laughs) Which Glenn Fry said that apparently Walter Becker's girlfriend loved the eagles, which drove him crazy. So... That's how. That's where that came in. Yeah, that's how. That's how that came in. And then in the same year, the Eagles released Hotel California, um, and there's the line: "They can stab it with their steely knives, but they just can't kill the beast." So the steely knives is like alluding back to Steely Dan, and then the knives being some kind of like penile and phallic silver, yes, like. Um, phallic symbol so it's just a bunch of dudes be like like but because they had the same manager it's hard to say if this was like an actual feud or if it was just like friendly play by wink yeah yeah and so you know it reminds me of um this incredible show it's online it's on youtube it used to be on this channel called channel 101 Mm -hmm. and it's called yacht rock 
Yacht Rock. Yacht Rock. Oh <laughs> okay. my godlings, you need to let me show it to you. Please. I have, I've shown it to so many people and it's like life changing. So what it was, it was just a bunch of friends that got together to enter these videos into this competition. It was around the same time that the guys from SNL, like Andy Samberg and Yorma and Akiva, mm-hmm. they had the Lonely Island and it was just a bunch of buds that like had videos posted online until they all ended up sort of making it pretty big. Mm-hmm. So these guys had this uh, little show called Yacht Rock and it's like five minutes or ten minutes per episode and it's like a what if this was the story behind the song? <laughs> they just made up their own like, Yeah, fun. like what possibly could have yeah. happened in order for this song to have been written. So I'd say like the main characters in it are Michael McDonald from the Doobie Brothers okay. and then Kenny Loggins because okay. they have so many songs. <laughs> so not only that, but the two of them, mm-hmm. Steely Dan is all over their records too. They're all all over each other's records in mm-hmm. different ways. Mm-hmm. But then they also sort of explain like explore with this these potential feuds that happened with them like there's this one where episode where they have a songwriting competition between Hall and Oates and uh <laughs> Loggins and McDonald amazing and it's honestly one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life I watched it over and over again and it's just uh kind of touches on those like band feuds because I know that Mick Jagger and Jimmy Page hated each other at one point you know what I mean like yeah and Steven Tyler and uh Joe Perry had a, a love-hate relationship, and they still do, I think. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it's probably, you know, it's all that, like, ego, penile thing. And so <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering if, like, if there's an equivalent today in our, like, Canadian music scene. That's you know, like, yeah. I was thinking, well, maybe, like, Yukon Blonde and the Sheepdogs have, like, a rival, but I've definitely seen them with, like, arms around yeah, each other yeah. and, like, Instagram photos. I think if it's happening nowadays, they're maybe smarter about, uh, not putting it publicly. Yeah. Back in the day, you would read about it in Rolling Stone. You would you would see it, you know. Yeah. But yeah, Do, you don't the really scene see. is just too big these days. Like it's just there's no room for that. I don't know. I don't know. If anybody has any dirt on <laughs> <laughs> on who's feuding with who, let us know, and we promise we won't tell anybody. <laughs> You can trust us. You can trust us. We have friends. Shanti and Lynx. <laughs> All right. The next one's a little more fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, this one's mine again. Okay, great. So this is the song Kooks by David Bowie, and it's off the Hunky Dory. Your favorite Bowie album. It's my favorite favorite Bowie album so probably the most recognizable most famous song off that album is Changes but it's by far like in my opinion like not the best song um but it has other songs like Oh You Pretty Things mm-hmm. I remember like um at the Pig's Ear in Peterborough everybody wrote all over the bathroom and I was just writing like lyrics from Bowie lyrics from Bowie and and from Oh You Pretty Things maybe even Kooks but I didn't even know this. It makes total sense now that I've looked into it. But Kooks is about David and Angela's son, Duncan Zowie Haywood Jones, mm-hmm. born in 1971. Yes. So the little Bowie was born a year after David and Angela uh, got married. And so at first, you know, Angie had said in her autobiography that we had read that David was a pretty good father, like when he was mm-hmm. around. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems as though our our little baby Bowie had quite an unsettled life. 
right? Yeah. Like David, was he even most was of he the doing drugs back at that point? Oh yeah, in the seventy one and absolutely, absolutely, and <laughs> absolutely, um, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, now it makes total sense that this song is about him because you know the lyrics: "I bought you a pair of shoes, a trumpet you can blow, and a book of rules. What to say to people <laughs> when they pick on you? Because if you stay with us, you're gonna be pretty cookie, cookie too." <laughs> so I used to like, <laughs> I used to um, play that song at parties all the time and be like, "We're so crazy! <laughs> Look at us, kooks. Look at us, kooky people!" <laughs> and and just like I'd have this like specific dance for it but then there's this one lyric too which now makes a lot more sense and if the homework brings you down then we'll throw it on the fire and take the car downtown mm-hmm. so yeah if the homework brings you down then we'll throw it on the fire and take the car downtown but I always thought the lyrics were but if the whole world brings you down oh. then we'll throw it on the fire and take the car downtown but that yeah homework too. that makes sense <laughs> that makes total you just made sense. it like more universal yeah, I think that happens sometimes with mm-hmm. lyrics. You just imagine what you think that they are, and they're like, that makes sense to me. For anyone who hasn't seen the family photos of Bowie, Angie, and their son, you got to Google this, because yeah. they have the best family portraits I've ever seen. It's true. I'm looking at a couple right now, and you see like Angie and David walking down the street pushing a stroller, and you like do not know who is who. At this point, David's got much longer hair yeah. than Angie, and... Kooks is a definitely like a fitting title. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And Duncan's become a celebrity in his own right and is incredibly talented. He is a director now. Uh, my favorite film of his is called Moon. He won a BAFTA for it. Check it out. It's fantastic. And Sam Rockwell's in it. And who doesn't love Sam Rockwell? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. <laughs> Man, so much information coming out of everybody. Like, do this, check this out, listen to this song. Mm-hmm. Are you keeping up? Are you ready? Should we keep going? Okay. Got it. All right. So the next one is We Three by Patti Smith. I know nothing about this song. I love this song so much. So I'm very happy to be telling the story about it. <laughs> Patti Smith and uh, Robert Maplethorpe had already been through a lot before they met poet Jim Carroll. Uh, The pair were struggling through poverty. Patty had just a few years previous left home after giving up her daughter for adoption after an unwanted pregnancy. And Maplethorpe was just beginning to address his homosexual feelings, which Patty encouraged, even though they were in a romantic relationship together. Good. Yes. Uh, In 1970, they moved to the Chelsea. They befriended Jim, who also lived there another creative soul. He was supporting himself and his junk habit by working as a male prostitute. Patty and Carol began a love affair, which led to the trio sort of forming this powerful bond through art and exploration, just all this amazing stuff at its core. And Smith wrote the song in 1970 before each of them had obtained any sort of success in the fields that we eventually know them from Mm -hmm. so maple thorpe's groundbreaking photography was the subject of a great 2016 documentary i saw called maple thorpe look at the pictures highly recommend watching that he passed away unfortunately in 1989 he had hiv um carol also has passed he passed 20 years later in 2009 from a heart attack i believe 
Many probably remember him most for the publication of his teenage journals, The Basketball Diaries. And Leo. yes, it was. I'm just filmed. saying what everybody's thinking. <laughs> yeah. In 1995, DiCaprio played Jim Carroll in that film, all about his crazy New York uh, youth. And Patty's book, Just Kids, centers around her and Maplethorpe's early days in New York, as well as how they came to love art and sort of find which field was best for them. Mm -hmm. When they got together, they didn't really know what they wanted to be. And they discovered it by supporting each other and trying things out. And that book is one of my favorite books of all time, not just like rock and roll biography. It's phenomenal book. And I love Patti Smith so much. I got to meet her a few years ago. <gasps> it was at a, um, she put out another book called M Train. And I got to see her here in Toronto with some other dolls. And I got to like tell her face to face how much I adored her. Oh, and it was so wow. wonderful. I was wearing um, an Oscar Wilde shirt and she saw it and was like, oh, Oscar Wilde. That's amazing. Yeah. Good I adore you. her. Yeah. And the song is really beautiful. It's um, about trying to find yourself, and you got to listen to it. Okay. <laughs> I will. I should probably just listen to more Patti Smith in general. Yes. I I agree. Okay. <laughs> as, long as, as long as you say so, Lynx, I'll do anything for you. And moving into the next song, well, that's a perfect <laughs> segue. I will do anything for you. And I will always love you. <laughs> I will always love you. Um, some of you might think, hey, The Bodyguard? Yeah. Was that the movie? Yeah. I don't know. Whitney, Whitney. Houston, ballad, hell of a it song. It ain't Whitney's song. No, that's a Dolly. That's mm-hmm. Dolly Parton. Um, another amazing autobiography mm-hmm. to read. I, uh, I Yeah, I had it on that my... That woman is just unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. She's so funny. Mm-hmm. She's so funny and her book is hilarious. Um, and she's a great success story. She is. So she's one of the most amazing rags to riches stories. Like besides my own story. <laughs> uh, I literally lived in a trailer park Aww. when I was. Oh, yeah. Like for entertainment, we would go watch the dump bears. We would Ooh. go to the dump and we would watch the bears. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> So, anyways, all right, yeah, you got your own tale to tell one day. <laughs> <laughs> so, born uh, Dolly was born in a one-room shack, uh, one of twelve children. She used her vocal talent, I'm gonna say, and, and like her her personality like, personality mm-hmm. um, to stand out. She'd been on TV and sung at the Grand Old Opry by the time she was 13, but it was in 1967 that at the age of 21, she had her big break. Porter Wagoner had a wildly popular, popular? popular. No, that's a tree. Popular country show. And uh, when his regular female vocalist, Norma Jean, decided to leave, he asked Dolly to join. Mm-hmm. Being a fixture on the show for seven years, audiences were upset when Norma Jean left and didn't want to give Dolly a chance. How can you not give Dolly a chance? Give Dolly a chance. They'd even chant Norma's name during performances. That's so terrible. Porter stood by Dolly and created a new feature where the pair would duet. 
Soon audiences were loving the pair and the duets were climbing the charts. Yes, they were. Porter um, also persuaded his record company, RCA, to sign Dolly and she was beginning to have hits of her own. And soon, Dolly was overshadowing Porter. In 1973, she penned I Will Always Love You and in 74, she performed the song on the show and it was um, later that year when... She bought out her contract and she left. Mm -hmm. So while many see it as a romance coming to an end, for sure, you can see why. Absolutely. Um, Porter and Dolly were just good friends and remained so, which is nice because like some songs are just like about buds. Yeah. And it's such a beautiful song too. You can tell she she didn't necessarily want to leave, but she knew for her career she had to leave and for his as well. Like She was totally eclipsing him and... It was his show, so though it was a sad parting, it was for the best for each, and they both supported each other throughout the rest of their lives as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Porter hosted his show until 1981, and she inducted him into the Country Music Hall of Fame in 2002. He died in 2007, and at his memorial, Dolly sang the song. Once more. Mm-hmm. Once again. I bet you there was not a dry t- eye in the house. Mm, no chance. No. No chance. Yeah, that's a nice one. So, and that's the song about real affection, real love, real friendship. And now let's flip yeah. that on its ass <laughs> yeah. and go the completely opposite direction. Yes. Where Lynx is going to come in with our final We had song to end it. Yeah, we had to end it with... A powerful one and a Canadian one. Yeah. And you might know. Yeah. If you don't, you ought to know. You ought to know. What and who this song <laughs> is about. So, yes, everyone has heard the Jilted X anthem, You Ought to Know. But it may come a surprise to some that the man who broke her heart and inspired... Alanis Morissette, by the way. Yes. This hate-fueled song is Dave Coulier from full house yeah. everyone's favorite uncle joey yeah uncle joey no after years of rumors uh he himself fessed up then denied it then fessed up then denied i think they met at a hockey game or something something like that that's so canadian yeah <laughs> uh he said in a 2008 interview i listened to the song over and over again and said wow this girl is angry i think i must have really hurt this person Despite what Alanis might have felt, David had nothing but lovely things to say about Alanis and their time together. And uh, Morissette herself has never come forward to set the record straight. She says her songs are written for the sake of personal expression, and I guess she doesn't want... Blah, blah, blah. It's about Dave Coulier. Just fess up, all right? We know you're so vain is about Warren Beatty. Like, let's just cut the (laughs) shit. (laughs) Sorry, I'm really feeling really saucy Especially tonight, since he has admitted it. And uh, it's interesting because he's admitted it and denied it. But this is a, a tough song to carry on your shoulders for people to know that you inspired this. Oh, yeah. Everyone is so happy to have a song written about them, right? Yes. Unless it's like a big old <laughs> fuck you. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I remember listening to this album on, again, talking to him about my farm, um, my family farm that I had. And we were really young when this album came out. Like, I think I was less than, what, do you know what year? Uh, I'd say like 90, 97. Yeah. 96, 97. I don't know. So I was younger than 10. And uh, I remember like playing it, but making sure that like our grandmother didn't overhear it. Um, and I remember just being like, oh my God, oh my God, like definitely not understanding a lot of like what, what was. That's what a she really saying, powerful but, album. Yeah. I actually just re listened to that a few days ago and uh, I was surprised by how deep it is. I don't know why I was surprised. This song's pretty, pretty deep, but all of them are very thoughtful and. I don't know what it's called when you associate like colors and textures with um, taste and things like that. But I had that a lot when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And so I would see patterns or I would see colors like the colors black and purple would make me or like no, sorry, a mosaic um, structure with like black and purple would make me taste a certain thing. That's so Yeah, really, really crazy. And then her video where she's in that car. Um, Ironic? Mm -hmm. Is that the one? And it's like four Alanises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That song definitely like it was. Uh, it was definitely lots of sensations happening with that, with whatever colors. And That's interesting. Yeah, I remember feeling a lot and having a lot of strong emotions, like watching her videos and when that album came out, but not really necessarily like understanding why. Or I talk about a lot of those like really strong sensations too in the BSB episode. That's not released yet that I do with Henny, but um, yeah, yes. Yeah, she's really interesting. And she had a really a lot of awesome people work on that album with her. Just on this song alone, uh, Dave Navarro and Flea, who were both at the time in Red Hot Chili Peppers, they uh, did the guitar and bass on this song. Mm-hmm. It's funny that he's like, oh, I have very good feelings about her because it's like... Yeah, you don't want to, like, spark up any more shit either. And, like, I, I know that I've told you this, but, like, a couple of, like, my ex-musician boyfriends like <laughs> sent me some messages being like, hey, what's up? Like, mm-hmm. how are you doing? It's probably because <laughs> maybe they were worried that I would talk shit about them or something. But, like, I would never do that. That's so funny. I would never do that. Yeah, and, you know, time passes. I'm sure. I'm sure getting this all out was... Uh, good for her and I'm sure she probably doesn't still feel that much anger toward Dave yeah probably not considering like she got so much great material out of that anyways absolutely yeah um that's sort of the go-to anytime someone breaks up with you and you're angry about it can you think of like of any other songs that might not be so um flattering yes absolutely Marion Faithful, we talked about it. Why'd you do it? Oh, why'd you do that? Yeah, that one's just so good. And uh, she didn't write that one, though, but Mick thought it was about him at the time. Mm. Maybe, uh, I think she put her husband at the time he was cheating on her when she recorded it. So you, you, what you hear is definitely true emotion. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking, um, again, I don't know where I heard this, but again, it was like one of those things like stuck on me. Did you ever have like those little um, sticky things that you got from uh, 25 cent machines and then you stick it up onto the wall and then it goes like, it's like some of those things like you just stick on me. So one of the things that I had heard that was that uh, Tom Petty's Don't Come Around Here No More was about a woman who was kind of stalking him Mm -hmm. or following him around so like whatever you're looking for um 
what do you expect in me? And yeah, so I don't yeah. know if she was like driving around his house. I don't know. And I don't know where I heard that, but it kind of makes sense. It, it does you, make sense. Yeah. If you listen to the song and then, uh, another good one is in the air tonight, Phil Collins, that his, his wife was cheating on him and it's sort of about him or his wife and the man that she was cheating on him with. There's lyrics like, uh, well, if you if you told me you were drowning, I would not lend a hand. I'd seen your face before. And there's and the whole mood to that song. Like you can feel, you feel it. Mm, uh, feel it. Mm-hmm. You're going to add that to the playlist. Yeah, for sure. Um, Lily Allen's got a lot of fuck you songs. Mm-hmm. Um, all, her All Right Still album, like when I was 19 and I, like going through my first breakup, I listened to that album over and I over. I saw her when she came to Toronto for the first time. Mm-hmm. She's fun. All of her songs are a little naughty and about, yeah. you know. Guys. And, then, and then in her second <laughs> album, she, or second, yeah, I think second, maybe third, she has a song called Fuck You, and I think it was about George Bush. If it isn't, it should fuck be. You, <laughs> fuck you very, very much. She got to write a Trump one now. Because <laughs> we hate what you do, and we hate your whole crew. Again, I'm sorry. I'm like, every time I'm singing, I'm like, I'm sorry, guys. Um, yeah. And then there was another, not that this has anything to do with anything now, but I also did hear that, I don't know where I'm getting this information, because anytime I try to look up anything about any kind of Tom Petty inspiration, mm-hmm. just he's just all like, oh, I don't know, it just like came out of nowhere. Very close uh, I don't know, I w- <laughs> it just came to me one day and then I wrote it down. Yeah. Um, but I heard that breakdown was about um, like him wanting to have sex with somebody and I really truly want to believe that because the idea of the, just like Tom Petty having sex totally turns me on. <laughs> so just like Tom Petty being like, break down, go ahead, give it to me, break down, honey, take me through through the night a breakdown i'm just like yes please that's what he says to you in your dreams that oh god yes on oh like over and over like that's my loop um all right so i'm gonna go ahead and believe that that's true but i can um i'll just make sure to ask him myself when i meet him gotta do it yeah gotta do it well maybe you can repeat those lyrics back at him (laughs) <laughs> oh, I'm getting out. Oh my god! <laughs> I get it. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, you have to go home now, Links. I've got to. I've got to return some videotapes. <laughs> well, that's that's all we rounded up for you guys this time. We hope that hope these are new something. stories. Yeah. Tried to pick the non-obvious ones. Yeah, there's a couple in there that are probably better known but yeah let us know some of your favorite inspired um boy man yeah we want more male muses we gotta hear songs or are you a male muse are you a male groupie yeah get at us get at us um what else do i want to say you know i think that pretty much just sums it all up yeah nice this was fun this was a lot of fun and we'll be doing this again 
We'll do a girl one. Yeah, nice, nice last couple of days of winter here. It's nice to, we're almost through it. Let's just we're keep getting there. Like, I, we're like, getting there. You know, I'm just like running into life, open arms, open handed, love it. But like even sometimes like this, the Canadian winter can get you down. It's so brutal. It's just like one day you think, oh my God, finally. And then the next, it just snowfalls. Yeah. Ice. Well, hopefully we could help you get through like whatever chilly day or maybe maybe, maybe like sucky mood is. you're in. Maybe maybe Lynx and I can be a little bit of sunshine on a cloudy day for you. Um, so speaking of that, if you do really like the show and you are really enjoying it, and we're looking at the numbers and we're like, guys, thank you. Maybe you could head over to iTunes and give us a rating, mm-hmm. a very favorable rating, <laughs> and a review and subscribe and just let us know that you're listening and let us know what are you liking about it what's bringing you back every week we love reading the emails thanks to everyone who's emailed us already yeah this has been really wonderful so the encouragement is just incredible it's true it's true it's nice to see and to know that we've got a whole bunch of kooks out there just like us that are (laughs) like loving this Mm -hmm. um loving loving this Mm -hmm. yep um so yeah rate review subscribe wonderful uh follow us on twitter yeah at shanti and links um we're on instagram muses and stuff podcast and on facebook yep you can find us everywhere you can find us everywhere now so come on come join the fun come join the beauty come join the nostalgia and it's all still happening today so let's let's all be a part of it together perfect Okay, so until next time, our friends, take care. And we (laughs) will always love you. (laughs) Okay, bye. Bye Bye-bye. Have you ever watched a futuristic sci-fi movie and wondered, but wait, could any of this really happen? And will I live long enough to see it? That's what our show Hypothetical is about. I'm Carrie Bechet, and on this podcast, we ask what-if questions about the future. Like, what if we could read minds? What if the world's digital data was erased all at once? What would happen if the Yellowstone supervolcano erupted? Then we explore that question two ways, through speculative science fiction and through dialogue with brilliant scientists. The result is a genre-bending narrative that's interwoven with real facts provided by literal geniuses. And, spoiler alert, a lot of the science fiction out there, it's not nearly as far-fetched as you might think. Come time travel with me into the future on Hypothetical. New episodes on Tuesdays available on all your favorite podcast apps. Just search Hypothetical. That's H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L.